0: Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a a controversial story. I think we must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. Welcome once again to the Our Man in Stockholm podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor. There are some interviews that you do that cannot be done justice by 400 or 500 or 600 words released by a news agency. Sometimes the whole conversation has to come out and that is the case with the podcast that you're about to hear. A few weeks back, I travelled from Stockholm down to Malmö in the south of Sweden to do a variety of interviews, but this is the one that stood out the most. Uh, I went to FC Rosengard, a women's football club down there in the top flight Damallsvenskan, because I wanted to talk to their goalkeeping coach Shannon Lynn. Shannon was born in Canada, played football over here in Sweden, played international football for Scotland. But she's almost as well known, if not better known, for being a mental health advocate. Uh, When she speaks about mental health, she speaks from a position of great experience. I'm not going to spoil anything by telling you the kind of subjects that she gets into. But what I will say is that it's very seldom that somebody sits down in front of your microphone as a journalist and opens up and is so brutally and frankly honest about themselves and their own past and how they felt at certain times in their life. And I can only say that I'm deeply grateful to Shannon for her honesty and for taking the time to do this because I think and I think you'll agree when you've heard it that she's done us all a great service by talking about these things in the way that she has done I think that there's an awful lot that we can learn from her and from her experience without further ado this is Shannon Lynn on the Man in Stockholm podcast. Uh, Shannon you're somebody who's been quoted many times on the issue of mental health um, could we maybe start at the lowest point that you felt in your career when did you realize that I gotta get help here because otherwise this is not going to work out for me.
1: Yeah, I mean I I guess when I finally felt like I couldn't really move forward, I felt um that it was time to get help, but also really at the end of the day it was my family, my partner and my family who who thought, you know, this is kind of you're really struggling and you should get help. So um so after they kind of pushed to it for me to do it it was uh i kind of didn't see another option really and and so i decided that it was yeah it was the right time i think it's hard when when you know and you feel that you you probably i guess for so many years i knew i needed help um but you kind of put it aside and you don't i don't know you don't seek help you feel like you're weak or you feel like you you just you're not worth it, I guess. Um, you feel like you should just be fine and you should just keep going and all these excuses you make in your head. Um, but in the end when, yeah, when the people that supported, have supported me my, my entire life, uh, which I'm very lucky to have those people, um, when they finally felt that it was just, um, yeah, that they saw that I was just kind of crumbling. It was, um, Yeah, I'm proud of myself that I I also kind of took their word for it and and got the help that I, in the end now, I realize I deserved. Um, But yeah, that was, yeah,
0: that's kind
1: of how it came about.
0: (laughs) Um, There's two things that people talk about, and you've mentioned the help that you deserved rather than the help that you needed. How long did it take you to realize that you deserved that help even more so maybe than you needed it?
1: I think really if to answer the question, not that I've really thought about it, but if, you know, thinking about it right now is probably after I got the help that I realized that it's something that, yeah, not just myself, but everyone deserves. Um, yeah, first you go in thinking you, you don't deserve it or need it or whatever it is. And then, and then maybe you're like, I need it. And then in the end, when you feel more of your self-worth, you realize it's something that you actually deserve, mm-hmm. um, which I believe so many people deserve, uh, or everyone. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, in that situation, you know usually a long time before you hit the wall that, hey, this is happening here, I'm in a bad place. You've spoken about self-medicating with alcohol and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. As a professional athlete, as an international soccer goalkeeper, playing in you know big tournaments and World Cups and European championships, How do you manage to keep some semblance of an organized life going on when internally more or less what you feel is depression or chaos?
1: Yeah, I think uh, when I look back, it was so, I mean, my kind of initial, I think with my you know mental health and probably depression or self-doubt started a long time before this but when I was 22 a real tragic thing happened to me where my partner passed away and really traumatically and um I think in that moment it's when people actually are there for you and realizing like you you know you need help and you should get help and uh, you're depressed and this and this and this and and maybe you know when i i dabbled with with alcohol in that time but then it was kind of okay um, Um, and came out of it but like in those moments it's like that's when when something really big happens is when people realize you need help but then it's actually the times when you you think somebody's really doing fine that it's a lot of the times when they maybe need the most help you Mm -hmm. know I had so much support in that time um, yeah, so if I look back, you know, now many years from then, almost, you know, 14, 15 years later, and when I finally did kind of get the help that helped me, um, I was more ready for it. Um, and that's, I think, the most important part of it is no one can force you to get help or, you know, you can be, people can 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 kind of persuade or, or think you you know you need it and let, let me support you in this but until you really realize and recognize it then I don't think you even if you're kind of getting seeing a psychologist or whatever it may be um until you go deep to the bottom of it um I don't think that you can really uh get the help that that ends up working um Yeah, so how I stayed on track was, you know, in the end, I talk a lot about football kind of saving my life, and it sounds so cliche, but I mean it in the sense that I love football so much, so that's been always something that, um, yeah, I'm just lucky enough that I I couldn't see life without it. So I guess in that sense was... um, I loved, I could keep this kind of some type of schedule that um, I was lucky to have consistency in that and I would show up to every training and every game and everything I had in in um, with my sport um, because I didn't want to lose that too. Um, and that's because I loved it so much. But then I guess also when you really kind of dissect it all, it's also that I, I was afraid to disappoint people. Um, so when I was probably struggling the most, when I needed to take a break, I didn't because I thought I would disappoint everybody else um, and kind of feel like I was going to ruin my life or something. So in the end, now when I look back at it, I I feel real fortunate that I did have have my sport and continue to have it because it keeps me in a consistent uh, schedule. And I think for me, I've recognized that that's definitely something that helps me in my life knowing that I have to be somewhere at certain times and having a a schedule. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess that's, that's the way that I guess it, it, I didn't go in the darkest, deepest hole I could have um, because I was kind of still floating on the surface. I look back and sometimes I can't believe I could still do it. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, like you said, I, I did self medicate. And that was again because I wasn't opening up about how I felt. So it was, you know, it was, uh, I struggled with um, self image. So then it's like, oh, people say the antidepressants make you gain weight. So I can't do that because then I'll just be more depressed. So I'll just skip that. Or, yeah, I'm, I should be fine. So I don't need to take medication because. Oh, I I I don't des- I don't I don't need it or I I don't deserve it or mm. I can't tell someone I'm feeling this way or whatever Th- it is. That's only for sick people. It's only yeah and and but I but I'm fine cuz I have a great family and I have you know great friends and I'm supported and I sh- I shouldn't feel bad. Mm. You know because cuz my life is way better than other people. So it's about that kind of recognition of I guess in the end as you realize it's every every single person can can go through depression mm. and it can be a really traumatic moment it can be something really small it can be just yeah just anything it can be just a startle in your life or whatever it is it's like my experiences and your experiences can establish why you deserve help and i don't you know if if you go through something really bad or something that doesn't seem so bad to you, it, it's still, if something's making you feel the way it does, depression is real and it's, you don't, a lot of times don't need a reason. Mm. You know, you feel this way because of some, you just feel this way. Yeah,
0: why you feel that way doesn't matter. You no. feel that way.
1: Yeah. yeah, so how can how can we feel better? Mm. Yeah.
0: The traditional way of telling your story is to take that incident when your partner died at 22 And to start there and to talk about that as if it was, you know, oh, this must have been it. But you very gently said that, you know, it was a lot of other small things before and after that. Was that a turning point? Was that relevant? Did it exacerbate things or was it just something that told you that, yeah, this is how it's been for so long?
1: Yeah, again, I think it's like always in retrospect, you kind of wonder you know what it was and probably for many years i thought i was feeling this way because of that event you Mm. know and that horrible event and but maybe that's what brought up me feeling a little bit at at that moment in time that i could open up more about how i felt Mm. because i had a reason
0: yeah
1: you know and and um yeah so now now people can be there for me because now there's something has happened yeah i deserve this now yeah um but that's that quickly goes away, you know, life goes on in a lot of ways for everybody else. And I, I mean that kindly, it just, that's what, what happens, you know? Um, and when I look back and I I look at just my, you know, growing up and again, with football was always my constant, loved it so much and I did it. And that's what I always, always, always did. But, you know, I look at when I growing up and I, I didn't feel, I, I didn't know who I was or who I wanted to be or I just played football and that was what I guess I was like, that's what I do. But I had other interests. I liked different music than my friends did, but I I needed to keep that, you know, I wasn't strong enough to...
0: How bad were those bands that you couldn't <laughs> do? You like them? Like, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I needed to like the the, the bands that were um, mainstream, yeah. you know, and but in the end it was that wasn't me right so or the different clothes you wear whatever it is it sounds so simple but it's like i couldn't i couldn't be who i really wanted to be because i didn't have the confidence
0: yeah but that's the thing, I think, especially as a young person, maybe even more so as a young woman, you want to fit in. You want to be part of the tribe. And yet something in you is saying that you're not, you're that little bit different. And you don't have the courage to be able to say, hey, this is who I am. And you're going to have to accept me for that or I'm yeah. going to have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Was that some, did you find yourself maybe as a teenager really trying, making that effort to fit in and to go, OK, maybe I have to quiet down these parts of myself?
1: I think, sadly, when you're an athlete, and not sadly, that's maybe the wrong way to put it, but when you're an athlete and you're a good athlete, you fit in kind of in a way already. That yeah. was kind of the way I fit in. Yeah. But I guess for me, I didn't feel I fit into where I wanted to. Yeah. You know, I fit in in the, you know, jocks, and I was a yeah. good athlete. But, uh, yeah, probably in the sense of what I kind of, the stuff I was, you know, I, I had other interests I I just, because uh, I wanted, I needed to fit into that. I, I didn't really, um, I guess, yeah, explore kind of other things. And and I don't mean that in, there's no sympathetic way I mean it. I just think back and I'm like, oh, I really, you know, I, I liked, uh, yeah, just different things. And then, but then when I look back too, is like, I I did successfully do something in this because I, I spoke to everybody. Yeah. Um, and I'm known to be a really, you know, kind person that kind of sees everybody for who they are. And so I I can now say that proudly, you know, I, I you know, now when I speak about myself, it's a lot, I'm a lot kinder. Uh, I see good things, you know, and, and I when I look back and I think about when I speak to my friends that I've I've been friends with for 25 years, it's uh, there's people I'm like, yeah, I remember this this person. They have no clue what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's because I I like I, I, I got to know a lot of people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of just always how I've been, like the person I've been is is, is that. So I, I guess in a way I I did somehow explore everywhere. Mm. It just <laughs> maybe I didn't just took feel. you a little longer than yeah. I expected. You know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, one of the things that fascinated me, and it's a subject that you have spoken about a lot with Fiv Pro is the subject of post-tournament blues, right? When people are in an environment for maybe 30, 40, 50 days as part of a national team and I felt this as well come back from the Olympics and Mm -hmm. as a journalist and and the the World Cup and this kind of thing and you arrive home and you put your bag down the hall and it's just awful because all of a sudden all this buzz is gone. All these people are surrounded but they're gone. How did that affect you when you were playing with Scotland in the World Cup and the European Championship? Was that another dark hole of self-medication kind of thing that you went for?
1: Yeah, I think for me it was probably less of that in the sense of of uh, it didn't really heighten any of you know the depression that I've been through. It's it's more that you know the recognition of though like you're in this hyper focused kind of environment and you you put everything you have into it and then D-
0: did that hyper focused environment distract you from your depression? Did it give you you know some sort of a buffer between you and that?
1: Yeah, probably. But I think it's like for me it's even though it's quite crazy when I look back because I was in the national team for this is how I don't take for granted anything I was in the national team for 11 plus years and I was in every single camp that from day one to to the end that I could have been in but every time I was so scared to not get selected um I was only ever the number two is was the the most uh success I had was being the number two goalie for Scotland I never got the number one spot Um, so I think for me it's like I hear stories of the you know post-tournament blues and it's a real real true thing and it's because you're in this hyper focus and and I mean in speaking to others it's even if you're successful in tournaments or you're not there's always these different emotions in in the way you're going to feel because you're this is not real life, necessarily. You're in this period of time that's going to end in two, three weeks, four weeks, or, two, you know, one and a half months if you're successful in the tournament. So, I mean, I think for me it was more that it was a bit more... Yeah, it, it, I guess I'm so grateful I was a part of those things. Um, but I guess I it was more about seeing... How it affected, you know, the people around me or, or, you know, close friends of mine that you're, you know, they feel burden on that it was, you know, maybe their fault that we didn't go through to the next round or then. So that's more of the burden I guess I felt for others mm. rather than myself um, because, yeah, for me it was always, I, I guess for me it was celebration to be there mm. Um but again it's like i said we did a lot of work with FIFA pro on this topic and and it's it's really real and and true and you'll see it in olympic athletes extremely cuz i mean those that's a, you know big gap between their the biggest moments in their life and then it's over mm. um and same with world cups and and I guess in my comparison towards all of it, is that I see it in like, when, I, when we worked with this, I was gonna retire. Mm. So yeah, it's a larger scale of it, but the way I looked at, I used a lot of the tools we spoke about and when I was coming into retirement, is um, because that was, yeah, okay, it wasn't this hyper-focused time. It was a lot of years, but it was a lot of years that, that were ending. So I saw the same kind of emotions in that sense of something so important to you coming to, a, to an end. Mm. Um, so I guess a lot of my emotions come, came from, or my connection towards the post-tournament blues conversation felt a lot towards coming into retirement. And, um, and that became another thing that I think we need to be better at um, talking about is because again, I was lucky cause did I could choose my retirement, mm-hmm. but a lot of players don't get to choose when they retire because of injuries or you know, health problems or whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of can... There's similarities in it, anyways, mm-hmm. that I found. Um, again, it's longer times and stuff, but it's yeah. something coming to an end.
0: When you look at the game now from when you started and you played college... Was it college ball in Indiana you played? Yeah. Yeah. So from that time then to where you are now as a coach with FC Rosengard here in Sweden, have things improved in terms of, because of your own experience, do you see, not necessarily, we're not going to talk about specific players here, but do you see when somebody in your life is in trouble? When somebody in your life maybe is exhibiting the same behavioural traits that maybe you did when you were in trouble? And can you help those people? Is the game good at helping people who find themselves in situations like you were once in?
1: Yeah, I think you can see, you know, that now more than ever we're we're talking about it, you know, mental health a lot more and trying to normalize it. We have a long way to go. I think it's a really difficult thing to um to get right, I guess, but for me it's like a massive part of it is is can we just listen to people more? Um and that can be through, yeah, body language or you know, one word or or you know just having this open ear to listen to people before judging um yeah can we just be better at at that and and i would say that yeah me (laughs) like in the years i look back on definitely we've come a long way um but again i yeah there's a long way to go and i think there always will be i think it's something that we have to work really hard on because it's not easy to see signs, um, you know. And sometimes the person that looks the happiest, which is a lot of times in my my experience of my personal experiences, I was the yeah the one that was always positive, hmm. and I wasn't faking it. I, I you know I was really feeling it, and I'm I'm a positive person, and I I push people, and I you know but that's that's where it's hard because how do you know that that person's struggling? How do you know they're going home at night and they're curled up in a ball of a panic attack, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because the next day they'll come back and they'll be that same genuine human, but that doesn't mean there's people not struggling, mm-hmm. you know, even when you it seems like they they aren't. So I think yeah, I I mean it's a kind of roundabout way to answer your question but i think we're better at it but i think again it it takes a lot of of effort um from from all of us as human beings to be there for each other but it's it's asking it's asking how people are and it's it's listening to the answer Mm. um it's not just expecting that people are good it's you know it's um yeah trying to get to know people trying to build relationships um yeah just trying to to be better at that. But again, I don't I think that's at the end of the day it's it's not an easy thing. Mm. It's e- the easy thing is that we we keep doing it, mm. you know, that we have to remind each other to keep doing it, but I don't mean that it's just like bang easy fix. Yeah. It's not going to be. Because I don't know if you've ever been to a psychologist, but when you finally break down and you go to one and you're ready, um, they're not magicians. Mm. That's you where the know, hard work starts. That's where the hard work starts. That's where it really starts that in the end, you sit there and you think, you want I want you to fix me, but you guess what? You can only fix yourself with support, help, guidance, tools. Um, but yeah, when you finally break down and get there, it is where the hard work starts. And it is where you're going to have emotional breakdowns and you're going to have sessions where you're speaking about things and um, you're going to leave there feeling exhausted, take a break, recognize that you've just had a marathon of a run, you know, when you finally open up about things that you were too ashamed to for so long. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard work.
0: You spoke about tools there. Um, are there sort of strategies, are there things that you use every day to stop yourself from sliding back there? Or is this something that in your life that you've now ho- hopefully moved past that the black dog, as they call it in Ireland, doesn't visit anymore? It's a good
1: song called The Black Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Arlo right? Parks. It's oh, uh, oh, Arlo Parks, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful song, actually. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's, yeah the I don't know any how to say any specific tools of about it, but for me, it's been more about trying to be nicer to myself, trying to take small breaks um when I need it um I was always again too scared to disappoint people to say no or you know and I think it's about recognizing when you need a break or and it maybe it's just a 5 minute one but it how much it, it really helps um I still have really quite dark days but you know they're just I guess I've been lucky enough that I haven't gone too bad um but I guess it's I I look at it that it's because of all the work I have done um on myself and and put in and and again it's it's yeah, it's just something you have to work on every day, um, to to believe in who you are and who you're becoming and who you want to be, and um, trying to be proud of proud of that, uh, be a better person every day, and yeah, give yourself some <laughs> more credit maybe.
0: Um. were you very critical of yourself as as a goalkeeper because it's one of those positions where when you make a mistake everybody kind of kind of sees it right and does that sort of feed into that then they go damn it there we dropped points today or i lost us the game or that kind of thing does it almost make it easier to have a go at yourself when you're playing in goal
1: yeah for sure i mean <laughs> i was yeah i mean i i look at it now and now when i've i've become a coach and yeah I feel really just so fortunate I was thinking about it yesterday when i was walking home from the train, um, after leaving here and, and I've just enjoyed my time here so much, uh, becoming a coach and I feel, yeah, really fortunate. And I was almost, you know, calling Therese to say thank you so much for giving me this opportunity because it's, I'm loving every minute. Um, I feel really lucky, but, but again, it's funny because then people close to you is like, Shannon, you earned it. You deserve mm-hmm. it. And, and you've got here. Um, yeah, so as a, as a goalkeeper, I really, truly was so mean to myself, and I never thought I was good enough, and everything I did was just not good enough. So now I, I really try in this job now is how can I help these goalkeepers to enjoy their sport more? Because the pressure comes from so many other places, and, and it's not about, yeah, we should have high standards, and of course, and we need to work hard, and we need to you know we need to be critical when, mm-hmm. when there are times in the right times, and we need to be better and, and take responsibility, and all those things. Don't get me wrong, but how can I go out into a game and think, I'm just going to really enjoy this today, And I might make mistakes, hmm. and I probably will. And so will probably many people on this pitch. But how can I still credit myself for the good things or the things, you know, how can I enjoy this more? It's a sport. Mm. This is supposed to be, you know, the thing we've loved since we were little kids or whenever you started playing football or doing what, whatever you love, whatever it is we love in life. You know, too many times we, we are so hard on ourselves. Like, how can we just have enjoy things more? It's a... Uh, it's what I'm really trying to do so much for these goalies now is, yeah, just reminding them that at the end of the day, like, we're preparing you as much as we can for, for a match, at, you know, on a Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is. Mm. But now you're prepared and you're ready and, and go try to just enjoy this game mm. without all the noise, you know. Be and the best version of yourself kind yeah, of thing, yeah. exactly. exactly, and, and it's, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong, this, yeah, the voice inside is sometimes the... Usually, the worst critic. Yeah.
0: Um, were you ever bothered by something a TV commentator or somebody writing in a newspaper might say, or were you your own worst critic? Would you say?
1: I would say I was my own worst critic. To be honest, probably not many people were saying much about me, <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> have to, I didn't have to worry. <laughs> no, I say that in laughing, but I mean truthfully, it's the game has come a long way now, where there's there's more of that, and that's what else. It's it's truly like it's it's. Women's football is growing and it's incredible and it's so much more coverage and it needs more and it needs more and it needs more. But it comes with, you know, other pressures and more difficult times. There's going to be people saying bad stuff about you. Hmm. Um, I would say that that would have afe- uh, affected me for sure, um, reading stuff. But also, again, I would say, yeah, but whatever you're saying, I, I I promise you I'm saying worse to myself. So, So then, you know, how can we try to, yeah. Just be be kinder. Mm. We always say to be kinder to others, but um, in the end, it's like, can I give myself the same advice? Mm.
0: What would you say, if there's somebody listening to this, male or female, playing football at a high level and feeling bad the way you felt bad and maybe thinking about self-medicating, what would you say to them? What would you say to a younger version of yourself with what you know now?
1: I guess it's uh, open up um talk about how you feel it's uh, you know if if you're feeling those ways, if you feel like'm you know I, I'm terrible or I'm this a lot of times uh, when we say things out loud or we say it to someone else, it takes some of the edge off you know mm. it takes the you know the heaviness of it um, yeah, I learned a little bit it's a bit comedic in my in my uh, therapy but, you know, find a voice. The, the mean things you say to yourself, find a funny voice. And in the end, the one we chose was Donald Duck's voice for me. But say those things, you know, those things you're saying to yourself in that voice. And, you know, and then you're like, that's ridiculous. Um, and again, it's not a magic trick. It's, you know, sometimes those things don't work. But um, but it's about trying to, you know, make it lighter, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my advice to to people is to really yeah believe in who you are um if you can if you can really truly believe or or tell your like you're doing the best you can and if you genuinely are doing the best you can and you're working the hardest you can and you're you know you're putting in the time that that you you know, you should to be an elite athlete. You know, there's it. It's hard. You need to do a lot of a lot of things. Put in a lot of time, and you know, the physical side, of course, but also, how can we be better at working on the mental side of things? And how can we give ourselves, um, yeah, just more credit for the things we do. But if you can genuinely say that you're doing your very, very best, then, yeah, no, one, no one can, you know. Put you down for that. You're trying your best, you know, and and that should be enough.
0: What memory from your football career makes you happiest? Poof.
1: It's hard question because there, yeah, crazy enough. There's, <laughs> there are many. I would say, but. When I felt like I was like superwoman was a time when I was maybe 15, um, and it was the first first year or two that I was a goalkeeper. Um, And I played for a team that didn't win a lot, and we played in this tournament against uh, a team that, didn't want me at the time, you know. I was uh, unknown or whatever, and and I I remember having the game of my life, and and I remember feeling so genuinely proud and happy, and um, I guess those are the moments that felt the best when when you're so I guess you're you're naive and. Um, you think every game
0: is gonna be like this, don't you?
1: Yeah, and like maybe also that you, yeah, you're you're just the pressure was, was not the same. You were playing a sport because you loved it. And again, it was the first couple of years I even played goalkeeper. So I I didn't even really know much. Mm. Um, but how, it's like how, if I could think back to that moment, it's like how much fun I had, mm. really. And that's when I played the best. Mm. So it's like all these cliches about can, can we be in our – best moments and have the have the most fun is is really when we perform the best. Mm. Um and it sounds just so silly, I guess. Mm. And would that fun. be fun.
0: <laughs> w- but that's the advice that you're given to the goalkeepers that are in your care here at FC <laughs> Ozenborg, right?
1: Yeah, to try to have fun because in the end I promise, like we we've seen it. We've seen it how many times? And you you can see players from the top of the game to when you're a little four year old playing is like genuinely when you are having the most fun you are playing the best um so yeah how can we give that as the medicine fun
0: <laughs> well i think yeah your playing days maybe behind you but i think there's a whole lot more fun ahead of you Sha thanks so much for talking to me
1: yeah thank you so much uh-huh.